Morning. Morning. You know what? Everybody is busy, right? Everybody's busy. In fact, um, I think I can prove that to you. I can prove it to you by the, all the conveniences that we utilize day in and day out. I was thinking about how we're going to cook our next meal. I'm wondering how many of you, uh, when you go to cook tonight or this week, you're going to go home, get some good firewood together, and light a flame and burn, burn, cook over the open fire. Anybody? Seriously, come on. You're supposed to say no to that. <laughs> Uh, in fact, I would say um, many of us don't even think far enough ahead to use a crock pot. It's like, man, I should have did that earlier. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't even like waiting for my oven to preheat. In fact, I don't believe in preheating. I just stick it in anyway. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. It's my people. We've had microwaves a while, but you know what I love the, the most lately is an air fryer. Could you stick nuggets in a microwave? That's nasty. You stick frozen nuggets in an air fryer, in just a few minutes, you got crunchy goodness. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, conveniences are great, and, and I think, uh, you know, we, should, we enjoy those, but I also think they're a sign of the times that we're all really busy, that we have very little margin in our lives, right? And some of that margin, we, you know, lack of margin is things that we can't control and there's things and there's times and seasons of our life where busyness is just upon us and we have to deal with it. But I also think there's times that we choose it when we need not choose it. In fact, I think some of us believe the lie that the busier we are, the more important we are because that's what our culture is telling us. We need to be active and, and engaged all the time. In fact, it happened this morning a bunch of times. I asked people, hey, how you doing today? And the number one answer, I don't know what you get, but the number one answer I get to how you doing is, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And the second most uh, common answer is, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Do you think those two things are related? <laughs> I do. I do. So we're going to look at the idol in the last week of this series, Modern Day Idols. We're going to look at the idol that maybe you don't even know is an idol, is the idol of busyness, the idol of busyness. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 11. We'll have the verses on the screen. And Jesus said something very profound about this topic uh, to all of us. And he says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me ask you, does that sound like your life? Or would you say, man, my life is so easy and my burdens are so light? I don't think many of us can say that. My question this morning is, are we enjoying the rest of God in our life? Are we too busy to enjoy that? You know what the remedy for, for busyness is? It's rest. It's just rest. And, and Jesus is the answer to that rest, and he talks about it in two kinds of rest. And so the passage we just read is going to be the, the main focus today, and he talks about two kinds of rest. He first talks about a rest that is given. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, we, we find God's rest as we enter into a relationship with God, and, and that's something that can be given to us and nothing that we can earn. 
You know, in Jesus' day, the rabbis, the te Jewish teachers of the law, would, uh, would teach their people uh, not only the 613 laws of the Old Testament, the first five books of your Old Testament called the Torah, they would teach their disciples or followers to, to learn and obey those, but they also added to that other rules and regulations in order to live a quality life and a pleasing life to God. And the, get this, the name they called those extra teachings was a teacher's yoke. It's called a yoke. And Jesus says, I have a yoke too. But my yoke is different than their yoke. He says, my yoke isn't going to enslave you to rules. My yoke isn't going to be oppressive to you. My yoke isn't going to bring condemnation. My yoke is easy and it's light. And, and compared to the demands of religion and the pressures of this world, my yoke is light. Now, as I thought about that, I started thinking about the, the yoke of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and they're actually harder to obey and follow than other teachings. What do I mean by that? If you were to read just the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and following, and you looked at some of the teachings of Jesus, he took the, the normal teachings of the day and he elevated the standard above other teachers. And where they were saying, hey, you shouldn't murder, that's, that's in the Bible. Like We can agree that's probably a good rule, right? We shouldn't murder. Well, Jesus said, listen, if you have anger in your heart towards someone or you call someone in anger a fool, then you have murder in your heart. And it's offensive to God. Then he said this in chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. He said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is saying there's a whole different level that, that, that the other teachers will let you get away with, but I'm not letting you get away with. We're to love everybody. And then he concludes that chapter by saying, be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. And Jesus, in, in, in this sermon, sets the standard so high. He sets his bar so high that no one can obtain it. And that means, listen to this, that means entering into a relationship with God and entering into the peace and rest of God is not something you and I can earn. It is only something that be, can be given because that's what he said, I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. See, when we recognize this burden of perfection, if entering into the rest of God means I have to be perfect, like my Father in heaven is perfect, and I cannot attain that, and that measuring stick is too great, then and only then does the death of Jesus Christ for the payment of sins make sense. Then and only then does the resurrection of Jesus Christ make sense where, where the eternal life can be given for a Savior called Jesus. Then and only then. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. He says, my burden is light. I want to just draw your attention. That doesn't mean there is no longer a burden. There's just a lighter burden, right? He said, I'm going to give you a better burden than the one you've had. It's a different kind of weight. 
See, by faith in Jesus, there's certain burdens that used to weigh us down, or maybe today they're weighing you down, because apart from Jesus, this is true for every single one of us, that we carry with us the weight and the burden of death. And what is going to happen to me when I die? Is that I've done wrong and the burden of sin and wonder, how can I atone and pay for the things that I've done wrong and regret and wish I could undo? How can I undo the damage that I've done? And we wrestle with the weight of judgment. And what is God going to say when I stand before him one day? What will this God in heaven say to me? And we wrestle with the weight of eternity and think, what, what is after this life and what is to come? And those things weigh, weigh, weigh us down. And Jesus said, if you have faith in me, those weights, those heavy weights, are once and finally dealt, dealt with through my death and resurrection. Can I just ask you this morning, are you feeling the weight of some of those weights? Do you worry about what's going to happen to you when this life is over? Are, are you struggling with the weight of your sin and wondering, man, man I, I've screwed up, and what does that mean for me? Maybe you're wrestling with what is God going to, if I stand before God, what would he say to me? Can I tell you simply this? You don't have to worry about those things. You don't have to carry those weights. And the reason Jesus came was that he could give us a peace and a rest in God that can't be attained by good works, that can't be attained through religion, that can't be attained through morality, that can't be attained in any other way through it being given to us through the sacrifice of Christ. Let me ask you, if you're a Christ follower, do you remember that weight? Do you remember what it was like before Jesus stepped into your life and you found a peace with God that is real and tangible? Do you remember what it's like to go to bed at night and wonder, man, if I die in my sleep, God, what's going to happen? you remember the weight of that? And I don't want to minimize what you're going through today. And I, I don't want to say that what you're dealing with isn't a heavy weight in whatever situation you're dealing with in your life. But when you compare the weight of today to the weight of eternity that you used to feel, that the, that the burden of Jesus is now light and easy compared to those weights. You remember? Let me ask you this. Do you feel the weight and burden knowing that there's people there today who are carrying heavy, debilitating, deadly burdens. And you know Jesus is the answer. And you knew if they just knew him like you knew him, that their life could be different and they could have a new life and a new beginning. Do you feel the burden and responsibility to say, hey, listen, maybe I'm the one that needs to point them to Jesus? As Christ followers, we get to trade an old weight for a much lighter weight. Yes, we still have responsibilities, God, that we would be people that worship him and follow him and obey him. Yes, we take on that burden. And yes, as followers of Jesus, we, we carry the burden of loving and serving other people. That's part of the deal. But all those heavy weights that used to weigh us down have been removed and paid for and are done with in Jesus Christ. That's a good trade, isn't it? Maybe think about, uh, you ever had the, the honor and the privilege of driving into a, a car dealership and getting a new car? 
And like the car you drove in there was rattling and dinging and banging and puffing smoke. And like it, you got it there, but you barely got it there. <laughs> Have you ever had the joy of trading in that junker for something brand new? It's a trade, right? And you think, man, I traded all those breakdowns and all those repairs and all those costs and all those worries and all those problems. And now I got a car and it's reliable and it's and it's got a bunch of gadgets on it, and I look good in it, and it smells good. What is that smell? That, they need to make an air freshener with that smell. Oh, they do. Okay. <laughs> I need one. That's like, man, for about a month, you're like, this has been the best trade ever. And then what happens in a month? The payment comes. Your first payment comes, and you've traded these headaches for a new headache. Can I tell you, in Christ Jesus, we get a better trade than that? We get a far better trade than that, that the oppressive weight of life without God, and I think sometimes as followers of Christ, we forget how oppressive that was, that that weight and that burden was killing us, and it got removed, and now in Christ, yes, I have other responsibilities, but it is a light compared to that. Maybe think about uh, as a father when I had young kids, now my kids are all grown up, I wouldn't dare do this, but I remember we'd be at a fair or festival or park or something, and they say, I'm tired. My feet hurt. And I'm like, all right. And I pick them up and I put them on my, on my back, right here by my neck. And I grab onto those chubby legs. And it was a weight. But it wasn't an oppressive weight. It was light. It was easy. Kind of liked it. Kind of like parading my kid around. This is my kid. I'll carry him. You need my help? Sure, I'll carry you. It's a weight, but it was a good weight, right? I see the same kind of response when you have a spouse or a family member who's sick or maybe terminal or have been dealing with an injury and they've just had a long season of illness or been down and you see this other family member putting them day after day, week after week, and they would do it. Nobody could stop them from doing it. Why? Because love makes that yoke easy and that burden light, doesn't it? That's what Jesus is saying. Saying, I've got, I've got a plan and, and a teachings that I want you to follow, but they're light. He says, come to me. If you're weary, you come to me right where you are. I've got the rest you're looking for. The rest this world can't give, I'll give it to you. You're looking for it, I'll give it to you. And you can know peace with, with God and rest for your soul. I want you to see something. Because this rest is given, right? That's what he said. I will give you rest. That means there's not a thing you and I can do to add to it. There's not a thing you and I can do to deserve it or earn it. The only thing you can do when something is given to you is to receive it. And listen, if you've never received the peace of God in your life through a relationship with Jesus Christ, here at the end of the service, we want to invite you to make a decision that's going to radically change your life where you will lose the burdens we've described that are oppressive and find a new life that's far better. 
That's the new life Jesus wants to give you. Now let's talk about this idol of busyness. Because Jesus said, there's a peace and a rest I can give that is given, and there's another peace and rest that is found, right? He said, I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon you and learn from me. So unlike the first rest, there's a different rest. There's a second rest that isn't given. It's something that you and I have to learn. That we learn to live in step with Jesus. See, Jesus promises. He makes some promises in this passage we just read. He said, I will give you rest. I will rejuvenate you who are weary. I will bring rest to those of you who are burdened. And I love how the passage is described in the original language. That's literally like a backpack that most people would wear. It's a common everyday weight that you have a weight and 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 I have burdens. We all have daily burdens and where I want to meet you and that's where I want to give you rest. And he says, if you're weary, that word means uh, it's a weariness from the choices we make ourselves. You ever been weary from your own choices? Decisions you made you wish you could take back. Uh, Career choices you made you wish you could redo. Uh, Friends that you've chosen that weren't the best choices. A lifestyle that you've chosen that now feels enslaving to you financially. He says, listen, I want to meet you in that weariness today. And he says, not only that, there's also a burden. And this word burden means a weight that other people put on you. This isn't the choices you make. This is when your boss is demanding in your life or your family is demanding and there's pressures that get put on you by other people or it could be from unexpected bills and you didn't plan for it, but suddenly you're in a mound full of debt and it's these pressures you didn't choose, but they found you. And they feel like a weight. I feel heavy. And Jesus said, I can help you with that. And he said, I'm going to show you how I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you a yoke. And we talked about a yoke being the teachings of rabbis. But the most common understanding of the word yoke in that day was actually this. I got a picture. And you probably already know this. But, but a yoke is simply a device, that little contraption between the two oxen. That's a yoke. Let me ask you, does this like a, look like a good solution to the worries and burdens in your day? Does this look like a good solution to how God's going to give you rest in your life? If I was rest is a yoke. The best illustration that you could use for rest is a yoke. How is that? But I want you to understand what Jesus is saying. Each one of us have burdens. And we're pulling a plow or we're pulling a wagon And many of us are trying to pull that thing, that load, and carry that weight and fix that problem and be the solution and be the strong person and be tough enough and strong enough, and I'm going to push through, I'm going to carry on, I'm going to do it, and we're trying to do it ourselves. And when Jesus says, will you take my yoke upon you, what he's saying is simply this, is you can have one half of the yoke, and I'm going to get in the other half of the yoke. And whatever burden you're carrying, I want to carry it with you. And I'm going to pull alongside of you. And whatever you're going through, I'm right there next to you in the burden, carrying the weight. Now that sounds like a solution, doesn't it? When Jesus says, I am here that you might know peace and learn a peace that comes from walking in lockstep with me. 
So I just want to speak to you. If you're carrying an emotional weight and burden in your life today, you feel overwhelmed, you feel discouraged, maybe you feel depression, maybe you're hurting and nobody knows it, and you're carrying a weight that feels too heavy and you're not sure how much longer you can carry it, you know what that means? It means that you're moving ahead of Jesus because he wants to go right there next to you. He wants to pull the weight with you. And he doesn't take away the weight. He's not going to magically make all your problems disappear. But when he says, let my yoke come upon you, he's saying, listen, because I'm with you and I'm pulling for you, I can make this load manageable for you. So I'm with you. So how do we get ahead of Jesus? Oh, man, how much time do you got, right? We get ahead of Jesus when we make a decision instead of waiting on his direction. When we feel like there's a time frame, we got to make a decision or we got to hurry this thing up or we got to fix the problem. I got to make it happen and I can't wait. I can't pray. I'm not going to answer, wait for an answer prayer. I'm just going to. That's how we get ahead of him. And that burden becomes heavy because we're pulling Jesus to our agenda. We get ahead of God when we assume we need certain things, some material things, and we, we choose a lifestyle for ourselves or our family, and, and it becomes overwhelming, and, and the pressures of those finances become a drain, and, and the debt becomes a drain, and, and it changes your whole disposition and your, your whole attitude, and you feel the oppressiveness of, of a financial strain in your life. And because of that, you work 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 hours a week, and you, you're pushing harder and harder to try to manage that lifestyle. Or you think, man, I want to give my kids everything, so I sign them up for everything. And I got two kids over here and a kid over here and my wife's here and I'm there and we're never together and we're always apart and we're going a million different directions because I can't say no to things. I keep saying yes to things because I'm trying to please everybody. That's how we get ahead of Jesus. And that yoke becomes oppressive because we're all the weight of the yoke is on us. Jesus said, I never meant for you to live that way because I'm in the yoke with you. Instead of you, we should learn to wait for his timing. And when he steps and he says yes, then we step with him. And as he leads in the yoke, his yoke becomes easy and his burden light because he's carrying the lion's share of the weight. And it's not on my shoulders, it's on his shoulders. And we talk about the lordship of Jesus, that he's the Lord of my life and I want him to lead my life. This is practically how we do it. Jesus, I'm gonna wait on this financial decision because until you move, I don't want that weight on my shoulders. I want you to carry it with me. God, I'm not gonna make a decision in this relationship because until you move, I don't move. Because if you're the leader of my life, then I don't call the shots. I just get to get in the yoke with you. And as you step, I step. And when you stop, I stop. And when you back up, I do too. Because you say your yoke is easy and your burden's light. And as you and I learn this, remember we have to learn this? (laughs) We have to learn this. As you and I learn to follow in the yoke of Jesus... It's easy. It's light. There isn't this oppressive weight on us. And we find the rest that he's promising us. We have to just agree, like his standards 
are the standards, not my standards. And his way is best, not my way. How many of you said, man, I've tried it my way. I've tried pulling Jesus in the yoke and it's not working out so good. Maybe I should just try his way because my way ain't the best. It isn't what I say is important. It's what his purpose is that are matter. It isn't my strength that makes it happen. It is the strength that he has in the yoke with me and that's the strength that's all I need. I promise you, as you and I do this, as you and I learn this, as you and I practice this, we will find his yoke is easy and his burden is light. See, when Jesus said, I will give you rest, he was talking about peace with God through his, through his death, burial, and resurrection, that you can have a relationship with God for eternity. But when Jesus is saying, I want you to learn my rest, what he's saying is, I don't want you to just wait for heaven to, to know peace. I want you to have the peace of God today in your life. And there's a difference, isn't there? We, we have peace with God through Jesus' sacrifice, but we can have the peace of God every single day as we walk in lockstep with him under his yoke, under his leadership, following his lead, and there's still a burden, but it's light. And Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest today, today. So I put this in your notes. Maybe this is a way to say it. If you're a Christ follower, you've trusted God with your soul. You've trusted God with the most important thing you could. And I just said it this way, the God you trust with your soul, you can trust with your schedule, right? You can trust God with how busy you're going to be and what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. If you trusted him with your eternal soul, you can trust him with how you're going to manage your life today and this week and in the days to come. Also, the God you trust with your soul, you can trust in every situation that you're facing. God says, I'm sufficient, and this burden you're carrying, it can't and won't overwhelm you as long as you stay near me and let me lead you and walk with you. And the God you trust with your soul, you can trust in every single situation you're in. But can we be honest? It's hard to trust somebody we don't know. If you went over to Dairy Queen after lunch, I'm not, I don't get a kickback on that, but if you, <laughs> 20%, that's all. If you go to Dairy Queen today and somebody approached you and said, hey, I really need 50 bucks, and you've never met this person in your life, you're pretty sure they weren't in Crossroads this morning. I said, can you, can you loan me $50 and I'll meet you here this time tomorrow and I'll pay you back. Every person in this place would be like, I don't know about that. Now, you may give them the $50. You may bless them as a gift, but if you needed the $50 back, you're not likely to loan them the $50 because it's hard to trust somebody you don't know. But if, but if the same situation came up with somebody you've observed and you knew them well and they had integrity and they had character and you found them faithful and, and they live by principles and, 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 their, and their reputation mattered to them and they asked you for $50, you might get it. By the way, if you're just dying to get rid of $50, no, I'm just kidding. See, anybody can say, I'll pay you back. But we'll trust somebody we know is trustworthy, Right? Can I just make a bold statement? The reason you can't seem to trust God 
with your everyday life as you're, you don't know them like you need to know them. You don't trust them like you need to trust them. You're not sure he's trustworthy like you need to know that he's trustworthy. That's why I skipped over this phrase, but we're going to come back to it. The very first thing Jesus said about having rest in this life, I love it. He says, come to me. You get near me, and the closer you get to me, the more trustworthy you're going to find that I am and that I want for you better than you want for yourself and that if you test me in things, you'll find that I'm faithful to you and I'm trustworthy and you can put your trust in me because I'm that guy. God says, I got you. And the more you get to know Jesus, the more trustworthy you realize he is. So, two rhythms I want to talk about as we close today. If we're really going to rest in God, if we're really going to find his peace in this life, regardless of what comes our way, and there's two rhythms that I believe Jesus prescribes to us in our daily lives. And the first one is this, that we trust God with your day. Like it's a daily decision. Matthew 6, Jesus is doing the sermon, I mean, the, um, the Lord's Prayer, and he, he says, you need to pray, give us each day our daily bread. Now, have you looked at a package of bread lately? Have you ever read the ingredients? There's like 30 different ingredients on a package of bread. There should be like five, right? I mean, I'm no baker, but I think it should be like five. They pump those things full of chemicals so you can set it on a shelf for two weeks and put it in your pantry for three weeks and then it finally starts golden moldy. Weeks and weeks later, it's full of chemicals. But you know what? Not in Jesus' day. He calls it the daily bread because guess what? You had to buy bread or bake bread almost every day. It'd go bad. It'd mold. Jesus says, I am the breath of, uh, bread of life. He's the bread of life. What is he saying? You, the, the substance you need for today, you need to eat of Jesus every day. You need to get alone with him every day. You need to taste and see that the Lord is good every day. You need to know that the burdens you're carrying aren't your burdens alone every single day. You need to know the hurt that you're carrying around, Jesus can heal every single day. You need to know the sins that will weigh you down, he'll forgive you every single day. He needs to give you guidance for decisions you're going to make every single day. He says, come to me daily and eat of me and know that I'm sufficient, I satisfy. So that means you and I make time to be with the bread of life and make them our daily bread. You say, Pastor, you, you're talking about more margin. You're trying to talk about more rest in my life, and you're saying in order to have that, 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 I, need, that I need to add something to my schedule? I am. I am. You say, how does that work? Let me tell you something. The reason for that is the healing, the life the joy, the peace that Jesus can breathe into you into those moments alone with him makes your life different, makes your attitude different, makes your, makes your whole disposition different. 
It rearranges your priorities. You can say no to the things that you need to say no to. It, it makes life make way more sense. When I don't get ahead of God, when I say, God, today I jump into that yoke and I'm gonna let you lead me and I'll say yes to what you say yes to and I'll say no what I, you know, I need to say no to and as I follow your lead, I'll find the rhythm for my life today. Today. I can have your peace today. Can I just challenge you, if this isn't a normal habit in your life, spending alone time with God in prayer and reading your Bible, can I challenge you for 30 days to test God? For 30 days, give him at least 10 minutes each day to get alone with him and to pray and to read the scriptures and see if you don't have more rest and peace in your life than you did today. You're gonna find something. That's the best 10-minute investment you could ever make. So we've got to trust God with our day. Secondly, trust God with your week. Trust God with your week. Hebrews 4 says something very interesting. It says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the, their example of disobedience. You know what God's saying? There is still a day of rest prescribed for God's people. In the Old Testament, you saw the Sabbath in the law and that it was required of the people of God, the Jewish people, to set aside their Saturday, their Sabbath day for a day of worship and rest. And some would say, well, that was back then and it doesn't apply today. Can I just point out that what I just read you is from the New Testament? Under Jesus... And that what he, what he references is that God himself rested from his work after six days of creation. God wasn't tired. He does not grow weary. He does not wear out. But he said, as an example to my people for all of time, it's an endless principle, that if you want to have the margin and rest and peace in your life, that there's a weekly rhythm given to the people of God that you set aside a day for worship and rest. Why? So the pastor can have lots of people to preach to? That sounds good, but that's not. It's for your benefit. It's for my benefit. You get space to breathe. You get space to think. You get margin. You get time for relationships. You get time to rest. I've said before, the most spiritual thing you can do on Sunday is take a nap. That's permission. You're welcome. Listen, God did not wire us to go nonstop seven days a week, week after week after week. He said, you're my people that need rest and worship of me every week. I read a statistic that blew my mind. It said 10% of church members, not Americans, not people that attend church, 10% of church members go to church four times a month. That's not very many. And I, and I say that to say there's a day of rest. And you guys are off the hook. You're here. There's a day of rest that Jesus prescribes for his people. And you know what, you know what taking the Sabbath says? It says some pretty powerful things. It says, first of all, God, you're the priority of my life. You're going to come first on this first day. There is nothing more important than you. It says that God is to be obeyed. 
And says, you might think, I have a million things to do and the grass isn't going to cut itself and I got this project and I got this thing to do and I got groceries to get and I got all these things going on. But if you say I need a day of rest, God, because I obey you, I want to obey you, I'll do it, what you say. Third thing it says, I love this, is that God can do more with your six days than you can with seven. That's just true. So as we close this morning, I, I want to just recognize that you and I are carrying burdens, whether we've created them or, or there's circumstances in your life and you're maybe struggling emotionally. There can be a million different things happening in this room. Can I tell you that God wants to meet you right there today and he wants to give you peace and teach you peace and maybe the burden you feel is today is a burden in a way you felt for a long time and maybe you felt all alone that the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And when it's quiet in the quiet parts of your night or in the early morning or late at night and, and you think about things like death and sin and judgment and, and hell and, and eternity and you don't have a peace about what's going to be true of you and happen to you in that day, can I tell you there's a God who loves you and his son Jesus laid down his life for you so that you can know a peace with God, that he'll accept you, that he'll love you, that he'll forgive you and offer you a place in his family through faith in Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? So, Father, I want to start right there. That you're a God we can have peace with. And the weight of sin, when we carry regret and shame, when we wonder about what's going to happen after this life, God, when we worry about what you might say to us if we were to stand before you, when in our imagination we wonder how awful hell might be, and those, those thoughts unsettle us, I'm so thankful Jesus came, that you created a solution for all that weight. Because the truth is none of us were to carry that weight ourselves. And so in this room, Father, as we believe you're the God who, who rescues those who are lost and, and make them found, you're the God who saves those who were once blind and now they see, you're the God who, who takes those who were not a part of the family of God and make them into the family of God, that you're the God who wants to forgive the sins of your people, that God, today, that by faith, someone could step into relationship with you by trusting in Jesus. If that's you this morning, make this your prayer. Say, God, I want to know you. I've had unrest in my heart. I want to finally have peace with you. And so I believe Jesus, make this personal. Jesus, I believe you died for my sin. Jesus, I believe the judgment I deserved, you were judged for. And Jesus, the death I should have to pay, you've already died. And so I put my trust and hope in you alone, Jesus, for the forgiveness of my sins, for the acceptance of God, and for a peace with him. And I'm turning from myself, and I'm turning to your leadership in my life. 
As you prayed that today, there's a, there's a party going on in heaven because, Father, that you've been received by your heavenly Father, and the angels are rejoicing because now, finally, you have peace with him. Father, I want to pray for your people, the Christ followers in here who they're carrying something. And there's burdens in their life that are real. They're heavy. And you want to you come alongside them and carry that with them. Father, I pray that each one of us would learn this rhythm of letting you lead in our life letting you carry the weight of the burdens. Lord, letting you take responsibility for what happens to us because we believe you're trustworthy. We can trust you. In fact, make that your prayer. If you've had a problem with trusting God and you've had a problem of giving up control of your life to this God you know loves you and has your soul saved and yet you still struggle with those daily choices of letting go, that today you tell God, God, you are trustworthy and I can trust you. I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna keep trusting you. I'm gonna keep stepping into that yoke. I'm gonna keep making margin of my life. Now, as we sing, there's going to be a moment here where we sing, and I'm just going to let you know there's going to be pastors and elders at the front of the room here. And some of you need to come forward because you're carrying a weight that you need to share with somebody else today. That there's healing and power when we share our burdens with each other and pray for each other and point each other to Jesus and let that yoke be light today. Listen, don't leave this room carrying a burden you're not intended to carry. And so as soon as this song starts, let me challenge you that God, as you're carrying that weight, he calls you to come and pray and let him deliver you from it in Jesus' name.